0: Hi, uh, dear listeners, uh, we have uh, enjoyed to get uh, Rabbi Weinberger here with us. And we apologize about uh, the classic nigunim. We have to show it because technical problem before. So we'll give it on Sunday, again, the program. So Rabbi Weinberger, it's your platform. And welcome again.
1: Thank you all for listening. And we are on together with our weekly program of Let's Grow Together of course, by J Root Radio. We have an honor. It's been a while since we had Harav Nissen with us in the studio together doing the program. And as we all know, um, it's your host, Mordechai Weimiger LCSW. that's licensed clinical social worker. Our goal over here is just to create awareness for any mental health issues or questions that you have. And as always, we loved having Harav Nissen's input and thoughts and ideas. So looking forward to taking your questions or comments about the mental health field. The number to call to ask your question is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. As well as, if you'd like, we're being hosted. Of course, you can watch us live on JRootRadio.com. You can watch us on Yeshiva World and on the Lakewood Scoop. You can ask your questions. Either text your question to the studio. That's 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398 or you can leave it on the Lakewood Scoop or on Yeshiva World, and we will be taking your questions. Of course, those that call in live, we take those quicker and easier. So the number to call in is, again, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. All right, so we're going to start with a question that we have from the Lakewood Scoop, and the question is as follows. How do I get my teenage kids to listen during Ben Hazmanim? I find the same issue with my teenage girls. They aren't helping out consistently. How do I turn Benazmanim into a success? So, isn't this a normal issue that when you got teenagers, you have Benazmanim, we got a break. And what happens is the teenagers think, now I'm on vacation. The parents need help. So the parents are expecting the kids to help. The kids are expecting, oh, I learned so hard, or I worked so hard, and I want my break. And there's usually a lot of confusion, usually a lot of stress, nerves, no?
0: It's been, <laughs> everyone that has a uh, teenager's kids and uh, knows that how how tough is it uh, even the a uh, months before the vacation, the Benazmanim, it's already a pressure starting. Where are we going? what are we doing? what are we doing? everybody expecting from other you know and this is a, a big, big issue, big question mark, you know, and especially when you have more than one, the question how are we doing it together and as a family and You know, even Chol the small, you know, small holiday. How are we doing as a positive uh, experience for all the family, you know? I'm not talking the big, the Benaz Manim, it's a huge uh, gap. And, you know, and uh, it's involved with money, with all this issue. That How we can give to our children also the sense that there's some kind of responsibility to the parents, how they can help the parents. This is a big question.
1: Yes. yes. So I want to share with you some of my thoughts, but I still want to hear from your, your thoughts on the idea. So let's go start with the first concept. You've mentioned something, and let's first start with parents. Parents are under a huge pressure, which means at that time they have fathers. The amount of money that you bring in is never enough. You can bring in five to almost $10,000 and just not enough for the finances to bring that in. You have mothers, as much as you cook, as much as you clean, as much for food as you prepare, it's still never enough. They're just cooking and cleaning a mess and another mess, and it just keeps on going more and more. So you've got fathers that are overwhelmed with times of not working as much because Yantav is coming up, so you're needed. Needing more money that can exist, even if you have a money tree, it's not enough. You've got mothers that are cooking and cleaning 24-7, and you're just not able to catch up. Then you've got teenagers where they're expecting to have their break that now they're not going to have to work hard. Or they worked hard this month and now they want a little bit of vacation and to have all this stress, all this tension, where are we going? We have no expectations. Now mommy, Tati, take us to whatever we need We want to go to stores, we want to go to doctors, and this is a normal stress that happens. One of the main pointers and focus that I try to focus on with families and that we discuss is plan it out. We're going to find that... If it's discussed in advance, the kids have their, know what's expected of them, the parents know what kids would like or what they need. It takes care of a lot. So I just had recently about a 10-year-old kid tell me that my parents are never, that the parents don't take me anywhere. And then when I spoke to the kids, I had a meeting just the kid and the parents, and it was so simple. They don't need to go anywhere. They just need time. So if we can have the parents are speaking to the kids, look, it's ben manim. I need you till 1 o'clock, from 9 till 1, you're mine. After that, do what you need to do. So kids know, or just two hours a day, if I need you to go to the grocery five times, one after another, these two hours are mine. If the kids also feel that if I need to speak or if I want to do something, I have time when I could do mine. If each one is clear in advance what's needed, then it definitely takes away the stress. But I got to say something, and this is speaking from a from point of view. The equality that we give teenagers is sometimes not equality. We make them the parents, and that's not healthy. We need to remember we're the parents. We need to feel safe and comfortable. And again, I'm going to take some responsibility as therapists. I feel we've taken away confidence of parents to say, I'm allowed to tell my kid you're not going anywhere with your friends, or I told you you can go with the friends, but now we need you home and be home. There's a responsibility of parents that we need to be parents. There's got to be a balance that I find we don't have. What do you find, Nissen? Do you find it that parents are afraid to be parents we're afraid to tell the kids to do things we're afraid of hurting them
0: i think that uh, really it's very again big issue and the big uh, you know stuff that uh, many many of us as a parents Afraid, you know, that the kids can do, you know, that, oh, my friends do it, my friends as it, why my friend has it, why my friend can go, why I can, why can't I go, you know, all this stuff. And parents are afraid to stay, you know. We as a parents have to understand that the, our kids, our kids need our discipline. They need to feel that we are strong because if they feel that we are, uh, you know, weak. I think that uh, they feel that uh, they cannot trust us, they cannot be reliable on us, and we, that's where the, all the problems starting uh, with this issue that the kids don't feel that parents are in the control, and and you know, I would say that in the driver's seat, and they can do whatever they want, and it's it's not good. It's not good. The kid kid needs a defense. Kids need the, the you know to feel secure, and above all, kids need Something to be feel belong to. They need to feel belong to the house. That the parents love them. And it's not only no, no, no. The parents, as we as a parents, and I'm talking to myself all the time. Is not don't take it. As uh, the parents need to understand that we, talk, we have to show the kids love and a careness that we care about them. And it's not our de- decision that you are doing that don't do it because I feel so. Because I care about you. I don't want you to, to get hurt. And talking about in a certain time, yes, I, you will understand it later. But right now, my decision is no. And it's no. That's it. Forget about what you want. It's not good for you. That's why my decision. When you be in my position, you will make your own decision. This is the, uh, my, my point of view. And beside this, we have to get also the, our Chachamim, our rabbis, and um, control on this issue. You know, that many times we found that, uh, unfortunately, in schools right now, a lot of, uh, I would say, teachers don't know. The, the, same, the same issue with the teachers. And yes. what do you feel?
1: I happen to agree with you that kids need to feel and want to feel that the parent is in charge and part of being in charge is being able to say yes and also needing to be able to say no a balanced way that kids are feeling love and love doesn't mean that they understand it all the time but they understand that parents love and they understand that parents say yes and when you say no not always do I understand it but later we grow and the example that I always give to that is a diet when we look at that cookie and we're not eating that cookie it's hard and we see everyone else at that wedding taking that great, delicious cake with all that cream, and if we hold back. It's hard, but after we feel great. When a parent says a healthy yes and a healthy no, kids will feel it very soon after, and they will have the respect.
0: I'm I have, a, I have sure, a, after that we yeah, can yeah, take
1: several callers yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. I have
0: one one example that I tell my kids all sure. the time. You know, that it's like a sick small kid running to the street, to the yes. road, yes. and you grab him and you pull him and just give him a nice, you know. Uh, Patch, yes. and, patch, and right. he understand. This is exactly the same. When you see some of the kids, he doesn't understand. This is dangerous yes. for him. So that's what. When I talk to my kids, I said, "Listen, this is exactly the same.
2: That's it. Right
0: now, you don't see the road. You don't see the the, the cars that can hurt you. Right. But we can see it.
1: That's right. So a question from the Lakewood scoop again, because we're going to take now the first caller is. Basically, what is it about how to get Ben for the parents to be organized and focused and proactive? What do we want? What are our expectations? Speak to the kids. What are their expectations? And if we work it as a team, kids are happy to help and they feel part of helping. Harav um, Aaron, let's go to line one. Let's go take Dina. Then we'll go to Sarah, then Ellie, then to Yehuda. We've got the lines full. We are going to get the number to call and to ask your question is 718-683-5858. You're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nisan. Hey.
3: Okay, Hi. Okay, my question is not about Pesach, so uh, no, I feel bad. know it's about anything you like. This that. is
1: your mental health time. Go ahead.
3: Okay. So, to make a long story short, my this is not about my two-year-old, this is about me, but my two-year-old was left upstairs in my apartment by himself for about a half hour. And okay, when sorry, I found just bail- say that one
1: more time. Excellent. Uh, again, you were saying about your 2 Just say it again, please.
3: My two-year-old was left upstairs in my apartment by himself for about a half hour. Okay. And when I found out, I ran upstairs, and I run inside, and he is on the floor crying. He thought I was in the bathroom, but I wasn't. Um, All the toys were dumped out, like, in a panic. He never does that. And he hurt himself. He fell down or something. I don't know. And I was completely traumatized from that. And he's okay. You know, I gave him a hug and, you know, he told me he was scared and blah, blah, and it was okay. But I'm traumatized.
1: Okay, so let's go take your question and then we're going to clarify. So first, your question is that your kid was sort of locked out for about a half hour and he threw his little fit, whatever he did, threw, spilled the toys, and he's okay, but you're traumatized. And yeah. the answer is that this is very normal. Let's explain why kids move on. When we sometimes need to train the kids to sleep at night, means they're going to cry for an hour in their crib, and it's healthy. There are many times kids, you need to do certain behaviors, and kids adjust with that. It's not the kids that have the issues, it's the adults which we have our issues. And that's actually why we will clarify again, to those of you waiting, please, and as we've done the last couple of weeks, is any question that we have about parenting, which we could, it's got to be about kids over nine years old because almost all the answers were always the same. It's age-appropriate, it's age-appropriate, it's age-appropriate, and us, the parents, need to take, or to be more assured within ourselves. So, let's be clear. Your issue that you feel like your son was locked out for a half an hour, well, mistakes happen. You're going to find, throughout life, mistakes happen. And if you're going to marry Hashem have many kids, and the older your kids get, even if you just have one kid, mistakes are going to happen. That's the wonderful beauty of the Rabbani that he gives us mistakes continuously. And only those perfectionists that are afraid of making mistakes are actually holding themselves back of life. So my question to you is, how can you relax and understand this is only mistake number one, Merit Hashem, to the many thousands of mistakes that are coming up?
3: (laughs) That's why I'm calling, because I know it's not going to be the first and only time.
1: That's right. So let me ask you another question. Do you suffer a little from anxiety or fears?
3: Not really. I wouldn't call myself an anxious person. I would say, like, with my son, he's, like, my pride and my joy, you is know? Is your
4: first child?
1: Yeah. Just wait till the fifth kid. <laughs> 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 Hashem. It's okay. This is, this is anyone starting something new. These are the concerns. All right. Telling you. Let's see. You have a large family. Just so yeah, I, w- I would say place. this
0: is a healthy, healthy situation because, you know what? Next time you wouldn't be doing it. And you will be much more cautious about leaving your son alone or stuff like this. And I tell all the parents, you know, sometimes it's dangerous. You know, it happened to me so many times that I did the, you know, rush something and I hurt my children. It's happened. And till today I have like outbeat, you know, when I'm thinking about it, my heartbeat a little bit jump, a little bit faster than the regular. But I. It's happened, but uh, as a parent, I have to just yes, you know what next time try you know, try to be a little bit more cautious, and I think that's very uh, in my opinion, it's healthy, healthy uh, anxiety. Let's that's say. Right.
1: <laughs> And what I will also add on to that is I also run group. I mean, usually what I do all day is one-on-one therapy, but I run for free for chesed, different groups. And one of the powers of group therapy is, and which I'm going to make the suggestion to you, not that you need therapy, but when you discuss it with other mothers, speak to your mother, tell the story, speak to an aunt, speak to people that have like a couple of kids, someone 10 years older than you. You're going to, oh, do you know what I once did? We once went here, went there. You're going to hear the power of group therapy is to hear that you're normal, to hear that everything is is okay. I do go
5: to
3: therapy, and I'm thinking about joining a group therapy, psychodrama. uh,
1: I'm I'm a I'm a big believer in group therapy as well because it's a large part of group therapy that I love about it is that it's not the therapist. The less the therapist talks in group therapy, the better the group is. The mm-hmm. therapist is just meant to guide it and the point of group therapy is the validation We're breaking these stigmas that we're the only one. Imagine you would just speak to, not talking about group therapy, but you're going to speak to five other mothers and share the story. One's going go, oh, do you know I was once, whatever, I didn't realize the kid was, went to the bathroom and the bathtub was over there and we didn't realize it, Bachsham, nothing happened, but I was so afraid and traumatized that since then I never fill up the bathtub without someone <laughs> there. You're going to hear normal stories that every parent has. And seen- I'm
3: also in 12-step groups. I know the power of the group.
1: Yes, excellent.
3: Which is unbelievable.
1: Excellent. So, you're yeah. normal, Bar Hashem, 100% normal. The rabbi Shalom should give you and your children, your husband, lots of nachas and simchas together with lots of big families and with lots of mistakes, Meretz Hashem. Just with Suyat all those mistakes should, be, should end well and healthy. But the more mistakes, the healthier.
0: Amen. So it's
3: just
1: normal. Oh, thousand percent normal. And even your concern is normal. Just wait till the fifth kid, and then you're gonna see how easy you are. You got temperature; we don't have to run to the doctor. You got an <laughs> earache; it's okay. Let's wait a day or
4: two. It,
3: I'm very much like that, but I just with this example, I just yes, it really took me over. Yes, just like how do I get over that trauma of it? So nothing just here i would i would take that to you go so i would
1: ask you what would help you get over that trauma here's what we turn to drop into like the emotional therapy what would it reassure you that it's okay within yourself to say
3: that he's okay he got over it
1: good so how can you tell it to yourself because you're saying that logically so how can you tell it to yourself i'm okay i don't know all right so ask yourself take a moment i'm a big believer in my therapy that the person has the answer them within themselves
3: How do I
1: convince myself that he's okay? Yes. What will reassure you within your heart? It's he is okay. This is emotional. It doesn't have to be a logical solution. What's the feelings? No, your son's okay. Maybe hearing your son say, Mommy, I'm okay. It doesn't have to be actual. It's what would give you the reassurance? Wow, this is learning. Every parent has gone through what I've gone through. Every single one, I can guarantee you. What would give you the easy peacefulness, the reassurance, I'm okay, my son is okay?
3: I don't
1: know. Ah, sure you do. <laughs> Push okay, yourself. well, I don't
3: know that I know.
1: Well, oh, okay, I know, that's a cute answer, but come on, go into your heart a <laughs> second. Think, you can do it. What would just give you the feeling, if your mother would tell you it's okay, if a medical doctor, if a psychologist would evaluate your son and say, your son is healthy, would that reassure you? What will give you the emotional confidence, security? I'm okay. Do you know what? We'll put you on hold. Think about it. We'll go to the next question, and then we're going to...
6: Okay.
1: All right, but think about it. We're going to get right back to you. We are going to Sarah online too. two. Kolden, Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. And again, we're taking any of your mental health questions that you've got. But please, let's keep it to questions if it's about parenting from ages nine and up. So, sorry, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen.
6: Hello. Yes, hi. Uh, hi. Um, I wanted to thank you very much because I um, called in a couple of weeks ago and I wanted to uh, follow up and, and ask another question if it's possible. Yes, they both um, are. Let's hear the
1: follow up first. What was the question? What was the answer? <laughs> follow up and then we'll go to the next question.
6: So the question was uh, about a student that I'm tutoring on home instruction for I'll whatever reason. I remember that. He's,
1: yes. Go ahead, share with all the listeners what the question was.
6: For whatever reason, he's out of school, supposedly on some kind of medical leave. Um, Really, it's because I think there are some issues between the parent and the school, and I don't know how this happened, but he's supposedly just on home instruction without being in school. Yes. So uh, there's a a lot of uh, different issues Um, the the parent made it sound like something's wrong with the school, but after working with the child long enough and working in the home, seeing how the parents function and the family function, it's not at all an issue with the school. I'm not exactly sure how the school is able to do this or how the mother has such a strong hold on the school, but um, the parent has uh, really done everything to ruin whatever progress that I'm doing with him Yes, she. She. Every every step forward is like fifty steps backward.
4: Yes. So, what was the suge- What was the advice we
1: gave you? Actually, I don't remember this question.
6: So the, the maybe I'm wording it differently, but the advice you gave last time was just to focus on basic skills for life in terms of uh, being responsible, hygiene, and foundation things that were not inculcated in his nurturing
1: yes okay it sounds like me a little actually i just usually i remember the question that answers yes how did that work i, when you I worked probably
6: with, just worded it differently something it's okay. different, along the same i remember story.
1: a question similar a little bit similar to that where a kid was having major issues at home and you're saying that the little work that you're doing isn't doing that much because there was so much and I, I i remember answering to a question like that that like sort of what you said like focus on the basics we're not here to let's say go teach this kid now how to start, you know, some advanced math issues, but if we can teach the kid how to verbalize emotions that they're feeling or how to get along right, with exactly, friends. Right, exactly, that's it. Right, that was the question, so we said if you focus on the basics, you're going to give this kid tools for life, and let's say when there might be some other difficulties with the, with parents or issues that might come up, he'll have more tools. Excellent. Yes. How did that work? How did that suggestion work?
6: So it, it worked well. It's working well, except that, I'm finding that, because of all the other issues that he's having at home, it's just so hard to make any progress with him. yeah, like his progress is so inconsistent Good. Every so day much. Is something I'm different. going to
1: I'm going to just re uh, refocus you. first, let's hear the positive. What did that information help? And then we could go to, and then we'll, I'll even clarify to you how complicated the situation is. But let's first go, what did you find? What are the small steps that did help? because this is the com- this is the encouragement that people need, especially in in our field where there's so much. It's like an avalanche of negativities and our little drop of water does something. I, I want you to focus on that and to recognize. What little steps did it, did it accomplish?
0: Do you so find him you, more
1: communicative? Do you find him smart and being able to connect a little bit more with friends than in the past? Not big stuff, but let's start focusing on the positives that we did accomplish.
6: So basically, um, your advice accomplished a lot by, like you told the previous caller, to that the job of of what you feel as a professional is to try to strengthen the voice of the person. Yes. So basically, that's what I felt all along, that basically t- needs to just work on the foundation stuff. Yes. And yes. so it just helped me. To, to so how do you feel?
1: Tell me the change. So what is the little change that you notice by focusing on the foundation?
6: The change in him yes. is not necessarily that much of a change because good. He, so what he doesn't are have you friends so is he it the change have, in you?
1: Is the confidence in you that you the don't change to? In,
6: the confidence is, the change is in me, Excellent. in him I'm not so sure
1: good, so let's take it to you, so the confidence in you is that your focus is more those small but monumental steps that might change him in life
6: right uh, I don't see anything so much in him um, some days he'll, say, he'll, he'll be on target and some days not okay. like I'll ask him when he showered last and then all of a sudden out of the blue he'll say, oh, yeah, today I have to take a bath.
1: Right. Okay. So, so you're able to get him more focused on the basics. Okay. I got you. What is the question that you
4: had?
6: The question for today is basically what happens most of the time is I'm not, I'm not so sure that he that he doesn't know how to communicate. It's more because there's no nurturing. Yes. And when it comes to... Asking any open-ended question I know that officially it's not my job Because I'm not the speech therapist And she's the one who's really most concerned Because she feels like she's not accomplishing in any way. But as a provider being, Working with him two hours a day I feel like it is my responsibility To work on these basic uh, skills And reinforce what she's working on okay. Since we do work together That he, he has this refusal mode Which really gets in his way And I think it's because of, I I think like I mentioned last time that he, and you you explained to me that sometimes a parent could be, the child could be the parent in the relationship. Yes. And that's definitely what's going on in his house. Yes. And he tries to do that with his teachers also. Yes. And that part I'm finding very, very challenging. Okay.
1: So let's now make your simple question complicated. And let's understand your question. And your question is that there is a boy, whatever age it is, that he's not doing the basic functioning of hygienics, let's, for example, even just taking showers and even communicating his needs. And what you're discovering more and more that there's a family dysfunction going on, which is affecting the kid. And because the family is not strong enough, whatever issues they have, this kid has become the parent. So he's able to manipulate and do whatever he wants. Correct? Exactly. Now let's, make the, now let's make the situation even harder. And that is sort of what Rav Nissen was saying earlier. And that is that parent, kids want to know if they have parents that are in control, that are in the lead. And it's important for therapists to recognize that, that we need to lead. I can unfortunately tell you in about 10 or 12 years of working, the first time I've ever thrown a person, told a person, leave my office was about three weeks ago that's several thousand people I've seen. The first time I've asked someone to leave the the abuse was just completely unacceptable in my environment. The person has come back, but has come back a little bit like a tatala, which means with a a little bit more recognizing, okay, this person, I need to behave differently. And in that 45 minutes in my presence, the person is different. And that's something we need to recognize. So I'd like you to realize this again. Our goal is not really to change this kid's entire life because all the time with his parents you might only get the government might give you funding for certain hours and only for the the school times and I'm going to have your input in a second but for you to realize that what you're doing over here is you're teaching the brain there is one person who I am not the parent where I can feel like the kid now it's not done in an angry way, I did not yell at the person it's not done in a physical way where you throw the person out, it's just very clear in my presence this abusive behaviors cannot continue and that person's response was sort of like but it's my life I can do what I want to do I go of course you can you leave my office and you can continue doing what you're doing but in my presence that's not acceptable and when you can set that up the person respects that they understand what they are and that's really my recommendation to you is sort of get a little bit training take a course take a book on something on assertiveness how to be safe, how to be comfortable, and you'll see how this kid in your two hours will behave very differently than the rest of the time. And just having this seed in the subconscious to know that somewhere they had to follow someone, maybe you might not continue with him, maybe five years from now it will benefit someone else. It's so much easier when you have someone that has created it in the brain at least one time assertiveness in a healthy place. Harav Nisan, what's your take on this?
0: I get, uh I think that the, the, my impression a little bit that she get involved a little bit more emotion and this issue. And you are not going to replace his parents. This is number one. And in and, and, and a point of view that uh, very important to see the relationship between you and the other therapist and the parents. And if no relationship is very sad, but as as uh, Rabbi uh, Mordechai. Say, Mordechai said. You know, with all these uh, names, it's a little bit yeah. <laughs> tough with my tongue. But uh, with all the more like I said, you have to be very strict on your time and your position. That you are now, right now, you under my control. And this is your time to get land. My duty to give you something. If you don't want it, okay. It's it's your problem. I'm sorry. We have to spend these two hours. You want to spend it two hours? You do it. You know this is my my approach, and you see that you are the control. You are the driver. You you are in a driver's seat, and the the wheel is under you. uh, The leadership.
1: All right. So really, what I would add on exactly to what Avnistan said is, I feel you need supervision. That's why we have supervision. This is a very hard case, and for you to feel that you're in charge, as Avnistan said, that you're the leader, I feel you need guidance. And your question is, it's a complicated case. If the school can't handle the kid or the parents, what do you think you're going to accomplish in two hours with the kid that he's running the show? However, you can accomplish a lot. And by you taking the lead, is will Merzah Hashem do that? Just get the supervision.
6: Thank you for your what, question. What do, you mean, what do you mean by getting the supervision? What do you? A
1: guidance. Someone's got to guide you. I've got a supervisor. I, should, I don't need no supervisor, but I have a peer, someone that I work along with, that when I've got questions, even though I answer questions right away, but when it's my client, in my case, I get blinded, as i said, emotionally attached. It's very hard to be a therapist and complete, to be completely detached. Because then you're not therapy. Like the saying goes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you got to care. But if you care too much, when you get caught up into a situation, you're not able to think clearly. And that's why you have peer supervision or someone or a supervisor guiding you, giving you the suggestions. Sort of like what you did here, but I only got like four minutes for you. There's a whole right. lot of information I'll do. And there are people that have experience that would be able to guide you. That's called supervision.
6: I hear. I hear. I understand, and I, I think that the um, advice on being assertive is basically like strengthening my own my own voice and what I feel is necessary.
2: Yeah. So,
6: like today, when he just decided he didn't want to do something, and he was just sitting there, I said, "Look, if you're going to do nothing, that's fine. But I don't need to see you doing nothing. So you need to go to your room now."
4: That's right. Or yes, yes.
1: You and he got refused. It. He didn't get up. He refused
6: to go Good. to his room. So I like, called the housekeeper. To
1: do and there is a way to do it. And there's a thing that you leave. Exactly. There's a lot. But that's where you need guidance. This is a heavy right. case, and that's called supervision. Not that right. you're supervised in a way that you're not doing a good job. Supervision is when you've got these questions for hard cases, you right. need someone with a lot of experience guiding. Right. Yeah, so you're right. on the right, right path. You're getting the concepts. Now we need just need someone to guide you in the details how to do it. Thank right. you, yes. Sarah, Thank for you very calling. Much. In. You're welcome. We're going to go back to Dina Harav Nissen. Let's go here if she's got it. All right, Dina, you're back with Mordechai and Nissen, Harav Okay. Have you found so, the feeling that would give you confidence, or the person, or the message?
3: So I thought about it, and you said something like to like have a psychologist evaluate him and make yes. sure he's okay. Good. Which would work maybe, but then my intellectual comes up. Yeah, but that didn't happen. So Good. how do so we let's know that?
1: Not talk, so right now we're not talking to your recognize, and this is what I do with many clients, and that is we explained it several times. We'll just do the short version. When the issue is intellect, we use intellect to, so, to solve that issue. When the issue is emotional, we use emotion to help that issue. So what we want us to recognize now is that when we're trying to use an emotional solution, intellect's getting involved. We're going to ask your intellect to just stay out for a minute or two. Can you just feel a moment, what it's like? For you to hear from a psychologist saying your son is excellent. This is normal and nothing has nothing is wrong with him.
3: It's very calming.
1: I just want you to feel the feeling, not the intellect. Just the feeling. Now when you look at your two-year-old son, how does he seem? He's
3: okay.
1: Excellent. Now just feel it a moment. Just stay with the feeling. We know it's not true. I'll even reinforce your intellect. It didn't happen. And it no. won't happen. We just want the feeling because the issue is the emotional part. We want to speak to the emotional brain, emotional language. Because remember, you know that he's okay. You've said it intellectually, but feeling-wise you're not getting it. So just feel your emotion hurt it, and you could put as many letters after that PhD that you would like to that MD and CAT and, and this and that. Every letter that you would like. And just see how, wow, this person in this great big hospital and did t- 50 hours of of uh, different tests and telling you he is 1000% healthy and okay. And how do you feel?
3: It's very calming.
1: Excellent, now when I ask you, you think of your two-year-old son, what's your feeling? How do you feel now?
3: He's safe, as he was always.
1: That's right.
3: But then my intellectual gets in the way.
1: Good, and now what would you respond to your intellect now?
3: Get out of here.
1: Good. And that will be some of your lesson that you're going to learn in life. And that's why I asked originally, let's say, you know, about anxiety or things like that, because the battle of intellect and emotions is something that with a little practice, you'll learn how to respect each one, but at the same time have them work together. So a little bit of exercise for you would be is to practice more on emotional visualizations and understanding that you're talking to a different part of the brain. So what's happening now is you're washing your right hand, and your right hand is saying, yeah, but my left hand isn't clean. And we're saying, we know your left hand isn't clean. We're just working on your right hand right now. Then when we wash your left hand, your left hand will say, but the right hand you know, was clean five minutes ago. Maybe it's, it's OK. We're just doing one step at a time. So when we talk to emotions, we talk to emotions. When we talk to intellect, we talk to intellect. And when we do behavior, which is actions, we talk about behavior. So just practice more visualizations. Like when you're concerned about something, just practice feeling and tell the intellect, I know that you're involved, but we're not focusing on you right now. All right? Okay. Thank you, Dina, for calling in. We are going to go to Thank Ellie. You. You're welcome. On Ellie on line three. So the number for those of you who'd like to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And then we'll take a question or two from the texting that we got into the J radio at 347-927-8398. Just be aware that we really are focusing on the callers. We'll just take a text or two. Ellie, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. For those of you tuning in, uh, for those of you tuning in, it's Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker, on your Root Radio program. Which we thank them for having me. And you can watch us live on JRootRadio.com, on the Lakewood Scoop, and on Yeshiva World. Um, Harav um actually, Ellie, you're on the air with Mordechai yes, and Harav
7: hi. hi, good afternoon, Mordechai. How are you?
1: Hashem, um, okay, so
7: I'm not sure if you ever covered this topic. I'm sure you did um I just don't always have a chance to listen to your great show um uh right now uh our family my uh, my wife uh, myself and my three kids with the floppers so we uh we're strongly considering uh moving to lakewood for you know for all the right reasons of course and um the question is um we are very concerned about the 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 children switching um schools um the children's ages are 11, 9, and 5, so yes. um, they, they are older, um, they do have a lot of friends in the school, they happen to be from the top of the class, um, not to brag, but they have a lot of friends, and they're very popular, but you know, we we decided that we'd be better for our family to make the move. My question is, um, uh, how concerned should I be, and what I could do to make it easier for them?
1: All right, so first let's understand... First, let's understand your question is a great question. As parents, preparation is the key, which means your question is actually 50% of the solution, and that is when we're aware of things, then we can deal with it ahead of time, so when it happens, it's pretty simple. I just had a client that told me, it's amazing, we just done some major changes in our lives, and it went so smooth, and I go, let's recognize, it didn't just go smooth. You used to go through transition stages at a very difficult, stressful, tense level. You've gone through a major transition level, and you are successful, and it went smooth and easy because you've gone through transition levels, you've mastered it, you've identified the issues that might come ahead of time, and because you've done that, now you've you've dealt with it, and that's why we have Baruch Hashem with Siata HaDishmai, a successful outcome. So let's understand, okay. your question, preparing in advance, is fantastic. So let me go ahead and give some suggestions that I've got, and then you'll tell me how many you've done, how many of these ideas you've thought of, because you sound like a pretty smart, intelligent person that Thank has you. thought about it. I can also tell you, me, myself, I've gone through that transition with my children. I used to live in Flatbush, and I moved to Lakewood, so I can... How old were how
7: old, how old the children?
1: Probably they were the same ages. Oh, yeah, wow. I think at that time, they were probably eight going down. But Maybe
7: we should go out to supper one
1: night and discuss it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let's go take any transition because this is not just about children. This is not just about schools. This is even about adults. Right. If you know the amount of times I speak to people, they say, I don't want to change businesses or jobs because I'm afraid of the whole beginning stages. Or my child changed schools and then everything went bad from there. So let's first recognize some of the main points we want to focus on with your children. When, since your focus is children about children, about changing. As well as we would like to focus on for some of the pointers, some of the bumps that one or two kids might have that other kids won't have. Okay. So let's get this. Step number one is to prepare the children in advance that when we change, we're going to meet new friends, we're going to meet new people. It's going to be different. So different, you want to give them, you want to tell them it's going to take eight weeks till things get to normal. So till you're going to find new friends, till you're going to have who you're going to connect to, till you're going to find out where the lunchroom is, where this is. Which person is going to take you around? It gets a little, you know, it takes time till that happens. So when you give them the two-month time, even though they might not understand it, but you understand, oh, but we're only one week into it, give it another six weeks. Even if kids don't understand the concept of time, just hearing that it takes time and we don't have this pressure, oy vey, it's not going well, already relaxes the situation. Step okay. one. Another point to recognize is if they're starting the next school year, if you can get them in ahead of time to camps or if they can have along those lines just one kid or two kids in the class that they know. Because what happens is when you know someone, you don't feel that new or that afraid. Along these lines is what you do is many times when people, before they do public speaking, one of the Olive Bay's advice is, check out the place before. Go two hours before you're going to speak and see what it's like know the, where the podium is, know where the room is. When you're walking in, you're not walking into the building the first time alone. So the less okay. new, any time is something new to our senses, our brain, we feel a insecure. When we've done something several times, we feel confident. So if you speak to any Magut any Rebbe or any Magut in high school, they'll tell you ninth graders are afraid. Tenth graders start feeling they know the place. The eleventh graders feel like they own the place. The, 12, the 12th graders are already preparing for the next place, but the process of all 9th graders are afraid and there are who's in charge and all this, 10th and 11th graders are the hardest ones because they already feel they own the place. Okay. So again, number one, preparing kids that it takes time. Number two, get them to connect to one or two kids in the class or I like go to day camp or to camp ahead of time. This way they'll already know some kids. The, the next point, as we mentioned, to also get to know the building, get to just know some of their surroundings. The, okay. the fourth point, which I can tell you that the schools are in general, today's days, the Rebbeim and the schools are very up-to-date, it means call the Rebbe ahead of time. And tell the Rebbe, my son's coming in, can you help him out? Just keep an extra eye on him. And they will do that, and the teachers will do that as well. They look for that, and they look to help. So yes, they will do that.
5: Yeah, that
7: definitely thought about, yeah.
1: Yes. Another point for you to recognize is for sometimes, and again, this is similar to friends or or a certain level, and that is where you can speak to the kids, how did it go today? Give them the opportunity for them to open up. So if they're having a difficult time with the Rebbe, a teacher, or with a kid, you can right away call the Rebbe within a day or two. So you can be proactive, and when the kids feel it or the Rebbe just gives them a hello and that caring or a cousin in an older grade just to show them around, it changes everything. So you can speak to them daily, how's it going, and again, if something doesn't go well the first day, you're not jumping in to help and save it, but you are keeping your ears open that within two, three days, you can work on it, and that helps a lot, kids knowing that the parents are involved, parents are willing to help out, and that is a major step about movements. Does that make sense so far?
7: Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the only thing is uh, that we're not going to have a chance to do the camp part, so. Okay. Um. Um, um can I use just uh, a question relevant What what you recommend, besides all these points, offering them extra, like, treats or, uh, like, we think about, like, promising them uh, maybe a trip somewhere because we, since they are older, they know that's not going to be easy for
1: them? Um, okay, let's take a step back. You're saying since they're older, they know it won't be easy for them. I want you to realize that is an opinion, which means let me clarify. The younger we are the more open we are and the, we, the easier we adjust. So take a two-year-old kid or three-year-old kids right away. Oh, you're here? Come up to my room. They take them into their room. They show them all their toys, everything. The older we get, we only go into the kitchen. We only go into the living room. We're more guarded and we're more closed. So understand the younger the kids, the easier it is for them to adjust. And it also now goes into the, na- the second part that I was going to discuss, the nature of your children. You could have a nine-year-old, which is very open and free, and he or she might have friends right away. You might have a five-year-old, which is more the nature is to be more guarded, and he or she will have a harder time making friends. So pr- promising presents and gifts in advance, like saying it's going to be hard, is also something that's not that real. The adjustment might go pretty smooth. So my real recommendation is, yes, you could tell them something, but don't focus on the negative. The real focus would be, if you're moving to, if you, let's say your case, you're moving to Lakewood, are there any kids that are living around the place? Can you have them meet two, three days in advance, any of the kids, any of your neighbors or something like that? Find out who's going to the same school and maybe call up one of the mothers and say, hey, my kid is joining the class. Maybe I could take out your daughter and my daughter just for lunch or just to the pizza shop. Any connection, any cousin that they have just showing them around makes it easier. Someone just not walking in alone. That fear or being in a new place, not knowing where to go, is what makes things uncomfortable. If they know there's someone just to show them around, oh, this cousin's going to pick you up right after class and it'll take you to the lunchroom where you'll follow the class or, the, or you connect to the Rebbe, even have the kids just speak to the Rebbe and to the teacher. Just hearing, hi, you're so nice, or something like that will make it easier. The goal that we want to take out of change that's so difficult is new, the unknown. The minute we feel we spoke to the teacher or the Rebbe and he or she sounds nice, it helps out.
7: Okay.
1: All right, so I wouldn't focus I that much. It's going to be hard. Just focus. It's a transition state. Transition takes time. We'll get through it, but the easier we're adapting, the easier we deal with stuff, the quicker it gets.
7: Okay. Thank you very
1: much. You're welcome. Great. Okay. So we are going to go to line five, to Yehuda. Yehuda, you're on the air with Mordechai. For those of you listening in, you are listening to Mordechai Weimer, LCSW, that's Licensed Clinical Social Worker, and we thank JRot Radio for having us. You can watch us live on JRotRadio.com, on LakewoodScoop, on Yeshiva World, and the number to call and to ask your question or comment about anything in the mental health field is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. So, again, we've got Yehuda on the air.
8: Yeah, hello, Mordechai.
1: Yes, Yehuda.
8: Yeah, first of all, I want to say your program's amazing. I Thank actually you. came with Chathar of years, about a year before, not the past a year ago. Thank you. It became hot. It was amazing. First of all, the first question is: I actually got stage fright about like two years ago, and I was in eleventh grade. Like right now, I'm like freaking out, really nervous. Cause
1: first you're on air, said, you mean? How do you
8: do that? Yeah.
1: Okay. Welcome to the club. So did I. I remember a that I gave that was probably probably that age and how nervous I was before. Yeah.
8: I'll that... be honest, it was also, it was actually also habura. Yes. Makes it was, it was sense. Of, it was in front of a 15 room. i like three adults. Yes. Like right now, right now, I'm also like, right now, panicking. Well, you, it's normal. You're it normal.
1: The, the feelings then no, no, is no, no, normal. The I feelings think right
8: now, th- even right now, it's, I know it's, ner- it's normal to be like nervous. Before I actually went, let's say before I did the Chaburah to get an illegal, right?
4: Yeah.
8: It's normal to be nervous, right? After I did the Chaburah, I was like, mom, I was really, really nervous after that. So I don't know if it's like, I know it's normal to be nervous, but like, how much is normal?
1: Extreme anxiety where your heart is beating and you think you can't put up with this and how are you going to do it? That is normal. Like right now. Oh, you betcha. I could even share yeah. with you from my experience. Now, just because you're feeling it doesn't mean you should stay with it. And we're going to soon give you some tools, but I first want you to realize... I was on the radio previously, and then we I took about a year break of doing other stuff on the phone line, giving the and then, and the first time I came back on the radio, my heart was beating. I'm going, wow, but I did it for a year and a half. Why am I nervous? And I just took a year sabbatical of the radio, means live questions and answers on the spot, and my heart was nervous. Then the first time we did, so understand, I'm doing radio for about four months, and then the first time we got contacted by the Lakewood Scoop, that they would host us live, and then Yeshiva World to host us live, And I'm doing the same radio program, and now I'm going live on video, and my heart's beating. And I'm going, why is that? It's the same program. Nothing is changing, just a little camera in the room. Or it's a big camera, but uh, why? And that is normal. And the more you can accept it and the more you can go through the process of it is what changes a lot. Now, we're going to give you some tools. So first, understand, any time you do it, it's normal. Now, would you like to understand why the brain does that?
4: Yeah, I sure. think
1: you're a smart guy. Take a guess, just a wild guess. Why do you think the brain has it when you get an aliyah, when you're going to speak public that your heart starts beating and you start being afraid? Just a guess.
8: You're afraid to mess up.
1: That's right. So let's take that into a more clear answer and that is as follows: Our brain is is created to protect us, which means, Anything that can be taken as a threat, our brain is going to try to protect us whichever way it can. Or when the brain is afraid, it's not feeling secure, that's when we start shaking, getting nervous, so the brain is feeling unsafe. When you're going to have an aliyah and you would mess up, say the wrong bracha, say it too low, what's going to happen? Chances are you're going to have someone laugh at you, someone's going to give you a comment, you're going to be attacked. Your social position might be questioned at this moment, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Your brain is now looking at that as an attack. Imagine you're giving a khabura and you mess up. What happens? It's again oh. an attack. So your brain yeah. now goes into hypervigilant fear mode, and I got to make sure I do it right. And the more afraid it is, the more that's weighing on it, the more protection your brain is going to cause you, the more it's going to lock you up. So one of the goals that we try to do is we try to ease those fears. And as we had with the last caller with how to help the kids break into something, it's like you practice the Chabur several times. You say it to two, three people at a time so your brain feels comfortable. Not just
8: chabur, like for anything. Not just Chabur, let's say like right now getting on Here It took me like a year and a half just to get on the since you started. Um, yeah. so even let's say that, right? It's L- just like
1: Let's take this. What are the concerns? If you mess up on air, what are your concerns? People recognize your voice? People, well, are going, what are your well, concerns? at night,
8: well, at night when I listen to the recording, I'm going to have to re- listen to this part.
1: That's right. Yeah. So, and if you listen to it, take it to the end. What's the fear? What is your subconscious? What's your conscious fear? If you're going to listen to this part, what is going to happen? You're going to notice mistakes that you said.
8: And, is, and also hearing thousands, saying thousands, although people also heard this.
1: Yes, thousands of people heard this. And part of the reason why I'm focusing on this is because this is a major emphasis that Bacharim, and even adults, but if we don't work it out as a Bachar, can hold us back. And I know people that are marrying off children and they go, I'm so stressed and I have to make kiddush to now strangers coming in. Or when they have a brother-in-law, sister-in-law in the house at the Shabbos, and they say, I'm embarrassed just speaking publicly. Or dancing at a wedding. That's why I'm focusing on this because it's so important for so many of us to realize where it comes from. It comes from the brain protecting ourselves. Now the question is, how can you ease the concern saying, I understand now why I'm afraid, but I still got to be able to move on, which means we're allowed to be afraid, but we still have to be able to be successful. Make sense? Yeah. So now let me ask you, what would give your emotions the feeling that I'm allowed to make mistakes? I can be public, as public as can be, and still make a mistake. what would allow me to feel it? Yes. I was just reviewing one of my notes yesterday. I actually forgot now which blot the Gemara was, but I was just seeing that one of my Sharon was about making mistakes, one of the programs on the phone line. And what I had over there was the Gemara from where Avkona says that when the Mishle says, Tachas under this mistake, the, through this mistake, and he says, Ain't... Adam um, Aymed Al I'm not sure I'm quoting the exact words. Imkel That you cannot be a Rav if you have not made a mistake in Piskei Halacha. It means anyone that's a Rav has made a mistake, and that's Rav Huna saying, which is uh, anamayir. So what he's saying is, if you want to get to any level of leadership of success, at least in Taira, you're going to make mistakes, and you got to be able to stand by it. Rav Chista caught him that he gave a certain Piskei Halacha. And instead of, he was sort of the Gadol at that time, sort of saying, it's not a problem that I did it. This is normal. This is healthy. I've made a mistake and now we move on. You're right. What can give your brain that feeling? The only way to grow, the way to learn to grow is by actually making mistakes. So embrace mistakes. What would give you that feeling that when you're going to listen to this program, the recording, you're going to say, yep, I made that mistake, I should have said this, this part wasn't clear, but you know what, I'll call Mordecai next week, and I'm going to get it even clearer. And Then you listen to it the next week, and I let you, with the greatest of pleasures, use me as your role, as your role play, call in next week, and then listen to it the next week, and then say, okay, this, this was better, still not good, we'll do it again. Give yourself about six times of doing something till you feel confident.
8: So I have two answers, I'm not exactly sure exactly which answer you'll like better,
1: Go ahead, One give me several is, answers, whatever that, you'd like. There is no right answer here.
8: Okay, fine. One answer will be if I know, let's say like you said, like a rub has to make a mistake, right? Yeah. So if I know a respectful person has to make does make mistakes, and they, you see that they came, they moved on in life, whatever it is, they came, they became a rub, whatever it is, they became something in life, that I know I can make a mistake and become something in life, is that... That's, one Definitely.
1: So I would give you a little, even a drop more exercise to that. Wait, I have in- a
8: better answer, which I rather I have a different answer. Good, answer, give me the I'd second one as well.
1: Way. Let's hear the second one.
8: Actually it happened to me also that I was like, to do something, whatever, drive somewhere, whatever, wherever it was. And I was like a little nervous, I think I lost or whatever it was. So the guy's like, don't worry about it. Everything you fine. you can do, you can get lost, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, I'm good with it. So I saw he was good with letting me make that mistake, getting lost, whatever it was, getting lost or whatever it was, and I know no one's going to be upset coming late, whatever it is, then I was cool with it. Then I was good with it.
1: Yes. So understand both points. Number one within yourself. But, but what, Sorry, continue.
8: No, so I'm saying is like the first, the second answer, it's more that not like that type of mistake is not really more like, it's not like in front of people, it's not like on the stage, you know what I'm saying? More like sometimes you do something and you make a mistake it's fine
1: so acceptance you the second answer is that you wanted to feel acceptance from others that it's okay to make mistakes right excellent now let's take that to you what can give your heart the feeling that it's okay if you make mistakes
8: so again that was 20
1: answers no that enough. was yes but let's take your second one who do you want to hear it from or how many people would you want to hear it from you're allowed to make mistakes
8: close friend of mine. Good. Um, well it depends, real. I'm saying let's say I'm doing something for somebody and if you're afraid to make a mistake or whatever it is or whatever it is, it's a little hard to do. But if that guy's like, okay, fine, it's fine if you make a mistake, you know, you make the mistake, you know, and that's fine, then I'll feel better. Like if I'm doing you some doing a favor whatever I'm doing. And the guy I'm doing it for is not gonna let me make a mistake. Like whatever and then if you make a mistake then yeah you're not gonna feel too great
1: about it okay so now i would like you to do this little exercise and that is for you to feel what it's like right now to have all these people tell you you are doing great you can make as many mistakes as you need we don't have an issue with it in fact we feel comfortable and that's how you'll master something some people call mistakes failure and some people call it experience so when you hear this doctor's got a lot of experience this therapist has a lot of experience. This Rav has a lot of experience. It means that they have made more mistakes than anyone else and they've learned from it. So I'd like you just to take a moment and imagine each and every one of your friends and people you're doing things with before you start, they tell you, and by the way, you do feel comfortable making as many mistakes as you'd like.
8: So you know, what do you call it? In again, in front of the stage i from going to have a word or something like that.
1: Be ahead of time, yes, you can imagine and you can even ask no, several saying, guys. So
8: in, right so in that type of situation, I don't feel that it can be even to yeah, I guess in front of five people, my friends are like okay hey, fine, you make as much mistakes you want they're out of mind you know I'm not going too mind making saying over I in front of five people, but in front of like a whole crowd and then I can feel a little bit you know what I'm saying a little bit embarrassed
1: so that's where emotions come in that's where you do some practicing so in some of the group therapies that I've run or where I've participated in we had the whole group tell that one person, you are allowed to make mistakes. Sometimes people, your brain just needs to hear it. So you might find that if there's a group of a 100 people and five of your friends or five people, they tell you, who do? you can make mistakes, you might notice that once you heard it from five people, the other 95 don't matter. This is a little, it doesn't make sense logically, but emotionally it does. So all I would prepare you, start small. Try to even give a little speech. If you want, you could tell your friends, hey, I listened to Mordecai Weimerger. He wants me, when the Rebbe leaves the room, just get up and say, hey, everyone, uh, what are we doing? Just say that and have two, three guys prepare ahead of time tell you it's okay if no one does. It's okay if you make a mistake. It's okay if everyone laughs. doesn't matter what it is. The point is be prepared ahead of time. It's okay if you make mistakes.
8: Okay, okay. And, well, I really feel bad. I really want to ask another question. The only way I was be able to ask other questions by asking this question first because I was really freaking out. Okay so, I'm really sorry. my real question was that I really wanted to ask was um if you're not, uh let's say me personally, I guess I'll just be um straight out I'm not let's say me personally, I'm on the regular let's say system learning twelve hours a day, right? yes, so the question is how do you feel like the things that I'm doing with it try to learn half a day and then keep myself busy the other half the half a day of like working whatever, and how do you feel that this is the right thing for me to do and thing is what I get, my problem is that I always like look around all my friends, let's say, the first day that I'm like in yeshiva, and you know, my friends over there and like, okay, um, Yuda, what are you doing? Where are you? What's going on? And I feel like I have to like answer everybody else, like what am I doing? You know, I want, you know what I'm
9: saying?
1: Yes. So there are two ways of dealing with this. Number one, first of all, when you're making your decision to learn half a day and to do whatever else you're doing the other half, it's first of all to work it out with your parents and with the Hanhala. So once you know you're doing the right step, that first takes away a large part of the issue. That means words, we need to identify there's an issue between you and yourself, and there's an issue between you and public relations, and how you're going to balance yourself in the outside world. And this is an important question that many people don't work out through their teenage years, and unfortunately they're 30, 40, and 50, and they're still worried about people's say now the solution is not as teenagers say don't care about what people say no there's a social norm there's an accepted norm and accepted happen for a reason and it's a positive to have that we need to find our balance between our individuality and the norm so step number one is find within yourself within your heart you need to be comfortable so you spoke to your parents you spoke to holla and you guys worked out in a way that it's right for you step one step two is now to start having the answer for someone means you don't have to tell them, Oh, I'm working I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm doing something else at that time. And like
8: you don't have to answer what you are what I'm doing?
1: No, no. You're going to learn that in life. Many people ask you, Oh, you're doing this because of that reason? Oh, or I had for example someone that went to be uh, let's not use the actual example. So let's go say he used he was let's say he was a cipher and he became a Rebbe and they go, Oh, you weren't making money? And he goes, There are other reasons why. Let's just assume when someone switched from one job to the next, and like people are asking, are you making more money? Are you happier? Oh, the job you're taking isn't respectful. So one of his solutions were not to answer. They're asking him, what are you doing now? He says, yeah, I'm working. Oh, what are you working as? A couple of things. Vague, vague responses. It's no one's business. Where are you second-sided? I'm around. Like, around where? I don't see you. Yeah, how are you doing? You switch it back to that person. You have a choice not to answer certain questions or certain people. You might want to answer a best friend, and you might not want to answer someone that's just acquaintances. And many times acquaintances are very busy getting into your personal life. So how many people do you have working for you? How much are you getting paid? $10 an hour? You left yeshiva for that? The guy is, the guy is using you. Don't stay there. The guy's not paying you anything? I mean, it's amazing. I sometimes hear the way social workers, when they go for interns for two years, they're about they're not getting paid. And someone goes, you're going to spend two years and not get paid? Or I know someone that's getting a job and an intern, he's getting about $20, $30 an hour, and they're telling him, that's all you're getting? And like, he doesn't want to start explaining himself to others, saying, but it's a lot of money because social workers or interns don't get paid at all. So he goes, how much are you getting paid? Well, whatever it is, you know, Baruch Hashem, I'm happy with whatever it is. You don't want to tell me? You know those intrusive questions. It's private? And then you just move on. So that's a separate skill to learn, how to find your presence in today's world?
8: So it's a skill to learn that. I'm yes, that
1: it's a practice. It's role play. It's exercise. Okay. And, and yeah.
8: So again, so let's say um, to learn that skill, thing. How's the best way to do it?
1: Practice. So here's again, where usually you would go to the therapist, role play, or a friend of yours that you can practice it on. Or with your parents. Okay, someone's going to tell me this and this. Well, how do I respond? And you can get some ideas, and then you practice it.
5: That's okay. Fine. So that's yeah. And that the point.
1: same idea is also with your public speaking. You practice it. Try it as many times as you can. The more you practice, the easier it is. Go practice ahead. What, try to, to go to
8: the public speaking.
1: Yeah, even getting an aliyah. Take a small shul or a small place with only 10 people there. Buy the aliyahs for 3 bucks. And go ahead, go to go and if you live in Flatbush, go to Khsi Shtibel in Bar Park for three bucks, buy the alias, and you'll do it a Monday, a Thursday, a Monday, a Thursday, and you'll see once you get more comfortable, it's about trying. You'll make mistakes, one time you'll forget, it. the more times easier it is. The biggest issue that I find why people are afraid to do public speaking or getting Alias is the lack of trial. The lack of trying, the lack of experience. And even if you do it and then you take a year break, it will be difficult again. It'll be much easier to get back on the road, but when we take a break, a sabbatical, it's hard to get back into it. Everyone's got, after Chalameit, after Yontav, oh, I got to go back to Yisrael, I got to go back to work, oh, I got to start, besides for the mothers, would say, oh, Bar Hashem, now I get a bit of a break, but other than that, uh, we need to realize that anything you start new hard, or for those mothers, when they say, I got to get the kids out to school again, but that's the focus.
4: Yehuda, thank, thank
8: you. you. Thank you, very, Lots very, very much. Lots of Amen.
1: Yes, and continue growing. So for those of you calling in, tuning in, you're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker, here to answer any emotional questions that you've got. We have on line six, we are going to go to Gittel. Gittel, Hello? you're on the oath, Mordechai.
2: Hello, hi. How are you? Fine, thank you. Um, what I want to talk about is um, I have two, t- two teenagers, Google in 16 and 15. Yes. And they got cell phones. And actually, I find this also when they're here, they're not here. Yes. Even when I want them, I tell them, you know, I want to talk to you. So, okay, what do you want? Do you want me to do something? And they're back in the phone. It's like. Yes. I don't have them.
1: Yes. The number one issue that's pr I wouldn't say number one, but from the top 10 issues that are going on in Shalom Bias with parents and kids, besides for teenagers themselves, because teenagers themselves have this new language of texting. Communications are about texting. Communication is not about now one-on-one. It's about having six or seven friends texting different conversations all at once. So the need to sit and talk one to another has changed. But parents, where we need that one-on-one interaction, where we need to have that, it's difficult to stop that. I shouldn't say it's difficult. It's a challenge that is going on. One of the ideas that we do is you actually do a chat break. Means, cell phones certain times is not available now. You almost take that vacation. I try.
2: I try to do it. Let's say I said and um, set a table and we're here. You cannot. You cannot talk. So the thing is, she's sitting with the phone in a packet, in one spoon, in one look to the phone, one spoon in one look to. It's like I feel okay. Finish. You're going in my nerves.
1: Yes. And what happens if it gets a little bit clearer that there are no cell phones, period, at the table, not in your pocket? You park it. I know there's a shul that I heard that they put lockers just for cell phones. It's small. You can slip it right in there. But park your cell phone when you go to Daven. That's the concept. The concept isn't that you put it on silent. Silent, it's still there. Come in, put it in the drawer for one hour a day. It's in the drawer. Then you take it back. Not having it on them is what is needed. We need to be the parent. We need to teach the teenagers how to disconnect. A large part
2: I do. I did try, like I said, if... Like one week, it was... Their phone is a prepaid phone. Yes. So I have to pay every month. So if you're going to have it in supper time, I'm not going to... For every day, it's going to be a day without service. Yes. But it became such... Let's go clarify. uh, I'm not a big believer in... I could not talk anything besides I don't have a phone and I can't and I don't have a phone. It became just after one day I filled it up because I couldn't handle it.
1: So let's clarify. And, And please forgive me for being a little bit more tougher on you. Your parenting skill, the part of being assertive, so you might be able to give them love, you might be able to give them supper, you might be able to give them their clothing wash, you might be able to give them, take care of their needs. But there's another part that kids need, and that's called assertiveness. That's called saying no. That's part of being a parent. And if we don't master that, kids will become the parent. So when kids say, I need this, I can't manage without that, you're going to do it. Those are words of assertiveness that parents need to use.
2: It's because I will tell you what. It's because I had a very bad experience with my know. My older son was then, he he started to the phone was five years ago, and he got his first phone, and I was very against it, and I took it away. So out of the blue, he got a more forward phone, a better phone. And so I feel even. Let's stop.
1: Hold on. Why don't you finish the story? and what? Why, and what did you do when he got a, a, a worse phone?
2: I never could know if he got it. So let's stop Can a I second.
1: Him? Let's let's get something clear. Your assertiveness, your strength within yourself to control the kids when you need to set the boundary—that's what you're missing right now. And that is why you need some training. Where one-on-one, I would not recommend you just like do anything because it's quite a track record. I'll tell you, find out, speak to someone that does assertive training or a therapist that is experienced with a specialty in being how to say no with love. But what you're lacking is your inner strength. Means I always give this example, and with that, we're going to go to the next caller, and it's as follows. You can have, especially in the girls' schools, where you can have eight to 10 teachers, and you'll see with one teacher, the kids are listening. Another one, they get their books on time. Another one, they're making jokes. Another one, they never do their homework. A different one, they fail the test. And with another one, they all get top marks. It's the teacher's inner strength to say, this is what I expect, this is how it's going to run, and the ability to enforce that. And what I hear is lacking your ability to enforce. So you're a fantastic mother in, let's say, nine out of 10 areas. And once you master that 10th area, you will find a big change that, A, the kids will not be having their cell phones. They will not be using those words, I can't manage without it. And you will see big changes in many other areas, including your older son, which has a cell phone, which which has a lot more access than you would like. At all times, parents need to be able to do that, including after the kids are married. Which means you're not involved, but you're able to be, you're not controlling, but you're able to be assertive. This is my level of, of. Uh, this is the level that I expect in the house, around me and by me. This is how it's going to happen.
2: Thank you. This is actually something I wanted to ask afterward. This, my son is to married. This son. And I also find a hard time. How uh, to explain them and tell them, okay, like, this conversation is not for this table, this is...
1: Again, get to, we're going to go to the next caller. I feel for you, what you need is assertiveness. Write down the word, find out about it, find out who is good at assertiveness. Teaching you how to say no, I want to be clear, it's not your kid's issue. Your kids need to learn that, but you need to be able to master that. If you're a leader, you got to lead and you've got, sounds like you've got fantastic skills in leadership, in giving love and doing many stuff, we need to just tune or tweak one issue of leadership, and that is assertiveness. And you will see how easy and how simple it is for people to listen to you when you say the word no. Thank you, Gittel. We are now going to go to line two to Sarah. Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai, and thank you for holding a such a long while.
9: Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. You're welcome. Um... I actually had a question about moving, but since somebody called up and you answered his question, I really got a lot out of it. So I'm going to ask a different question that go I wanted right to Go right ahead. Um, I had recently a medical emergency in the family where we got a phone call in the middle of the night to tell us that we should go to the emergency room. Yes. I found that um, now even just thinking about my physical response, I, is, I find it terrifying. I basically found myself almost paralyzed, you know how they describe it in the books? Yes. I never understood it when I read it, but till it happened to me, and it was such a severe shaking to get myself dressed to call Hatzalah. And it really, it really shook because I was thinking, you know, in a life and death situation, which Bar was not. If such, if a person freezes like that, then it can. uh, I'm not. I mean, it can cause tremendous harm by not doing the right thing. So, my question was, if you could explain to me why that happened. Yes. And what I do. You know, and not that I should ever expect it to happen, but it's something that happened to me once before.
1: Sure. So let's first start with what you went through. You went through a trauma. Do you know what? Let's understand the word trauma. We use this word loosely, but trauma is a serious word. Mm -hmm. What trauma means is our brain got a fear or, or heard some emergency that we don't know how to process that. So imagine you've got to swallow a huge orange without chewing it. What happens to the person? Either it doesn't go in the mouth or the person chokes. Mm -hmm. That is what happens to the brain. Trauma is there is a huge fear, a huge emotion that the brain does not know how to handle or how to chew it. And one out of three things happens. There's fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. Today we've added on the third one that I like a lot. I've heard it recently about two, three years ago for the first time. I like it. There's Mm -hmm. fight where either we get up and we fight back. Flight, we run away, and doesn't mean you're a coward. It's just the brain's safety mechanism under fear, which is animalistic, that almost all animals do: mm-hmm. fight or flight. And I like the concept of freeze, which is the deer. Deers mm-hmm. also, which is an, also an animalistic, it's a nature of the human body. One out of these three points: mm-hmm. fight, flight, or freeze. Each of these are normal. Okay. So understand how your body reacts is freeze. And mm-hmm. I can tell you my body reacts that way as well, mm-hmm. most of the time. If it's not a trauma from 1 to 10, if it's not a 10, I'm mm-hmm. able to handle it, so I do great in crisis, in crisis right, mode. Right, I'm exactly
9: the same However,
1: way. if it's a huge, like that 10, my system is freeze. Okay. So first understand this is normal. You're hey. normal. Mm-hmm. And it's, chances are why you froze is because you might have had one or two other people there to help out.
9: No, nobody else.
1: Okay, fine. Now, once you understand it's normal, what's the beauty that the Rabbi has given us to Abbasar vadam, And that is the concept of preparation. If you're prepared, when there, is a, when there is a trauma, a fear, my first choice is I will take three deep breaths and I will say, Sarah, what are you going to do now? If you train it in advance, when trauma comes, you'll be able to deal with it. So that's the beauty that the Rabbi gives us through this world of practice, trial and error. The first time you are shocked. The second time you you practice that, you'll know what to do. The third time, you'll be pro. Okay. So for you to recognize, the first time of freezing is normal. Now you can prepare for that and just think of various situations. Chassad here, someone was nifter. Chassad here, someone needs a hatsala. Chassad here, all the money went down. Chassad here, the house burned down. Whatever, some of those biggest fears that might put you on freeze level, freeze mode. If you start making my choices to take three deep breaths, my choice is to just first pick up the phone and call nine one one or dial Hatsala. Like, just keep the process. When it happens, your brain will kick into gear. Okay. Now, why does the brain forget
9: Hatsala's number?
1: That is normal. Under
9: I know that, but I'm just wondering why. Okay. How do you so prepare to prepare for that? In
1: order to access our recollection part of the brain, the brain needs to feel safe. Okay. The brain needs to feel comfortable. Under fight or flight mode, under attack, all almost all our blood goes to several parts in our body, and this is this is medically proven mm-hmm. through X-rays and scans. And it goes straight to our adrenaline. The body will leave the blood is going to start focusing to our muscular parts where we're ready to fight. To fight or flight,
9: right? Okay. And what
1: happens is all the extra parts of the body that's not needed, like. Chewing food, like your body should be able to chew the food or the parts of the brain to be able to think mm-hmm. and to start enjoying music will shut down. So the brain is going to focus, the blood's going to go specifically to that emergency area that needs now to function. Part of that is going to be forgetting basic information. That's not where you are. Right now is what do we do? Uh-huh. And that is why they always recommend, let's say, hot to put the number on the phone for specifically that reason. I think it's on
9: one of my speed aisles, but I couldn't remember. That's right. You can't remember which. That's why they put it in a place where you don't need to I think. would have to make, okay, so I guess I can tack it on the fridge. In that's right. Lettering. That's
1: what they do. That's why they have magnets, and that's the point mm-hmm. why it should be in a place that's visible. Okay. Because chances are when there's an emergency, almost everything blanks out. Right. That is normal. That is real. And the more times you practice it, the easier your response and your success will be
9: okay and the shaking is because
1: normal body during trauma before and after fear your body has to process one of the ways of processing is shaking another way of your body just it's just the way the brain works that's one of the ways for people to recognize are they nervous they just put out their hands are my fingers shaking or not Uh very normal very normal i can share with you we had over here a couple of weeks ago um abraham Mm -hmm. twersky rabbi dr abraham Mm -hmm. twersky it was an honor And he's here and like we're preparing, you know, to set up over here for the studio and everything. I'm thinking, wow, I'm really calm. Like it's an honor for me. It's a big schuss to be around him for everything he's done, science, science, psychology and just everything what he's done. And then I'm thinking like in my mind, I'm pretty relaxed or wasn't even a thought. And then last minute I had to dial a number and I go, I can't remember the number. And it's a number I dial often. And I go, Mm -hmm. okay, so here it's shown to me part of my brain is nervous or Mm -hmm. I'm going on with him. I didn't know how it's going to go. And it was just an interest for me to know, okay, so consciously, I'm not aware that subconscious, I am in stress mode. And I hear. it was fun. It was funny to see that. I hear. So it's okay, a normal process. Okay, so you're process. telling
9: me, number one, to have Hatsala's number clearly is, would calm me down. That's right. Where you don't need to think. The point is, if you need to think, uh-huh. then you are.
1: So that's why many times people have the process. In case of emergency for the children, here's 911 Hatsala's number. Then you do this, then you do that. For an example, uh, when you take any any first aid course, the first thing that they teach you is if someone is down, you're going to tell the person, you with the red shirt, you with the blue cap. Why? Mm -hmm. Because when you tell people go, everyone's frozen. When mm-hmm. you give a directive, you with the red shirt, it takes them out of that froze mode, that freeze mode, and okay, I gotta do this. And they can only stay focused on that one task. That's why you don't tell a person to have three different tasks. You with a blue shirt, call cool Hatsala. You with a green cap, move everyone away. You with the blue sneakers, you know, and the details. Do you wanna keep it short, simple? Cause most people in crisis mode get into frozen mode mm-hmm. unless they're trained. And that's why Hatsala during crisis, they're so smooth. Because they have practiced it. They've done it so many times that they're aware.
9: Okay, so how do I practice without putting myself into that space of being traumatized again? Meaning when I think of what happened, I start shaking for a few minutes, and then it relaxes.
1: Okay, so that is still with trauma. That's actual trauma. And um, that is something where I would recommend more that you get a therapist. Because when you go through trauma, to heal it, you need someone that has experienced healing trauma. That's not like a a 30-second point that I'll tell you. I could guide a little bit over the ear, but I feel you've gone through trauma. It's not much to clear up trauma. Mm -hmm. It's not much. I would even recommend a system called EMDR, Mm -hmm. which, you know, people, there's a lot of from therapists that are trained in that. So EMDR is excellent for trauma. Even CBT, I'm saying... There's, there's CBT for trauma. I've just taken a trauma course. There are there are some good systems. Just call up relief. Okay. Tell them you went through trauma. You're bachsham happy. You're successful now. However, it's just you just got to work. You just got to clear it up. Just it's okay. simple. Your body still got it, and trauma is something that can sometimes even stay physiological in our body. So people I shouldn't can let headaches. it go
9: for a certain amount of time to see if it just dissipates. You definitely can do that as well. Just oh, that's, to be aware okay. that,
1: that trauma... That it may be not, I
9: should go... I should that's right, off. it's
1: not a big deal. When someone goes through a one specific incident trauma, in a couple of sessions, we're talking about five to six sessions, or three mm-hmm. to six sessions, you can be over that. Okay. It's possible. And okay. if you try EMDR, which I'm a pretty big believer in, for that I say even less than three. Or let's say three, you should be able to pass through that in even one or two.
9: Okay. Yeah, so... Thank you very much. You're very,
1: very welcome. All right, of Aaron, who else are we going to take over here? We are going to take um, Rachel. Rachel, online three, you're on the air with Mordechai. The number to call and to ask your question or comment on anything in the mental health question field is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. You know, let's go take over one question because someone has sent in a text a while ago and I just like this when you get from young ages, from teenagers, so sent in just at the beginning of the program, Hi, I'm a young Bachar, still figuring out what I want to do or to become in my life. I have a hard time thinking in the long term. What's a good way to start building a future? And I appreciate that you're thinking, and Ezehu Chacham HaRoyas who is someone that is smart, someone that is looking into the future to prepare, which is fantastic. However, what we need to get, what we need to realize is, that when you plan too much in the future, when you don't know too many unknowns, we can get stuck in that. Which means, let's assume you're 14 years old, just pay attention to what you like. You like talking to people. You like, some people like confront, confrontations, saying something different than the others. Some people like when there's a lot of emotions going on in schmoozing. So there's heated, this is good, that's not good. Some people like just calm and quiet. Some people like natures, nature. Start finding out what do you like? What puts you at ease? And that is something that's important that can help you how to prepare in the future. Because there are so many different jobs out there today that you can do. So many different positions in Chinuch that you can do. All based on things that you like. So if you're 14 and you want to prepare, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. I'm not that for to limit it to an area. What I would say is to say, okay, I like meeting people. I like doing new things. I like numbers. I like um, sitting in an office. I like going outside. Recognize those natures. And as you get older, you're going to find different positions, different jobs, different opportunities presenting themselves along those lines. So thank you for that text. Um, We've just got someone that sent in a text I'm not going to address, and I've never addressed it on air, about something that happened to someone. You're suspecting something. The person's denying it. I'm not going to go into at all what that is. And that is where you need a therapist. You need someone specifically in that area to be able to help you open up, to build a therapeutic trust. And it's very important. If something, what you're concerned of, did happen is it needs to be acknowledged and identified, it might take the therapist a bit time to be able to work it out. But understand that once you work it out, once they got the trust, it can help. And if we if something did happen, and if it's not identified years later, it can affect the person. So I'm just acknowledging that just to give you that bit of information. Go ahead Take care of yourself. Do what needs to get done. Now we are going to Rachel. Rachel, you're on the air with Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. Hello. Yes, Rachel. Hi. Um, I have a son that's um, um
5: 21 months. Yeah. Oh.
4: We take. Yeah. We
1: take. <laughs> so I, yeah. We're um, really focusing on. I just
5: have on... questions, about it.
1: All right. I can, um, you can ask your question. Just be understanding that if I say that it's age appropriate, I'm not going to expand into it because we really don't take parenting questions under the age of nine. So oh, being that you okay. held, okay. yeah, because the answer is always it's a parenting course. You just need the training, the information right. and it's age appropriate. That's basically the answers. And for me to explain the theories in parenting is or right. the, that needs to build up, there's sometimes several steps that's needed. That we're just not able to do on air. It's something I can answer in five to ten minutes or two to three minutes. It's usually like practice this step, understanding the step, then call back next week for the next step, and then finally, once you got, you've mastered the basic three, four steps, now you're able to deal with the issue. So parenting okay. questions of under that's a little bit difficult. Just hold on the number to call in for your question or comment is seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. That's seven one eight. Looking forward to taking your question or comments that you have. Any area, even about parenting, we're just asking for it to be above the age of nine. Any parenting question above the age of nine? And again, that number is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. But, Rachel, since you held that long, let's hear the question, and let's go ahead. We'll give you the respect of the time. Okay,
5: thanks. The question is: Is it age-appropriate to be very like obsessed with a certain um, thing? Or I you know he likes lawyers, and everywhere we go, he's looking for lawyers and everything he sees. He thinks it's a lawyer, so like something like that—is that something you would evaluate for speech or do you think that's just normal? A and thousand percent
1: baby? normal. They're almost like little cats that so they right. can play hours just, with it.
5: Right. So he could be like—it's um, not like an obsession. It's just like, it was just test.
1: No, in fact, you don't even diagnose obsessive compulsive disorder until the age is a lot older. You're not allowed to even diagnose that. So here's like another example where awareness can sometimes turn to the negative because it's age appropriate.
5: Right. Okay, so if he does keep labeling everything as a wire, would you relabel it or you just ignore
1: it? Just know that's part of the brain's process, and it could go for three to five months like that, and he'll have other stuff, and then he grows out of it.
5: Right. Right. Okay, thanks,
9: and the appropriate. The,
5: okay, and the other question, I guess, also, it doesn't really relate, but um, I know he's very, like, emotionally addicted to the pacifier, which a lot of kids are. But, um, of course, you have in fact, addicted till,
1: <laughs> they're addicted to it until to 7, 8, six, seven, eight, ten years old, right. until we stop it. Do you have it.
5: any, like, guidance of how to ease it off a little bit, or?
1: Um, so that's, again, the whole process of guidance. That's exactly why it's difficult to take a parenting question under the age of, Right. Nine because yes, I could tell you the short version is you can just stop it, he'll cry for two days. I promise you after four days he won't even ask for it.
5: But right. the it's parents not like are the ones really gonna damage him because he's like exactly way. That,
1: that's why with the parenting issues, all this is age appropriate. You're going to learn how to be confident, you're going to be learn when he's gonna cry. And all this stuff are normal questions, just whenever we get them, I can answer six of these questions and give the same answers to each and every one of them. So, yes, it's age appropriate, he won't be damaged, it's normal, he's okay.
5: So whenever you, I guess, whenever you feel it's the right time, you would just take it away?
1: Um, You see, I don't want to give the answer because what I feel the real answer is just take any parenting course. Take it, get the training. So you want me to give you all the training in one minute when, or I'll just answer you this question, what's going to happen a year from now when he's going to want to do something else? When you take a parenting course with different parents of different ages involved and you hear different questions, you get the same tool. When it happens to your son or your daughter, when they get older, oh, I heard this one, it's the same concept, therefore it's just training. I don't find parenting, chas shalom, in any way saying parents aren't good. What I hear parenting saying, I'm giving you the skills, so there are so many people telling me, I feel I'm a natural therapist. And you might be, but you're still missing the skills. And skills is what we learn in college, how to deal with things. You want to then get training in marriage, then you continue taking in the institutes for marriage where they give you training in that. Parenting doesn't say you're missing anything. What parenting is only saying is that you need those extra tools how to deal with situations. So I don't even want to tell you when this or that will happen. Just take the training. You take one training. There are three different parenting courses. Each one will focus on something else. Take them all. I've just Do you taken recommend the, a specific one? I usually don't recommend. I just tell you try. None of them usually cause damage. Right. Just keep on going. Whatever's right. like out I there, you hear one, from fans. You. Follow whatever's out there. Just take it. Create right. the awareness. Yes. Right.
5: Because I just tried one and she said she's not gonna speak about pacifiers because she thinks there's too much damage there, so that's why I got nervous.
1: Okay, so then look, take that course. Don't talk about pacifiers, take another course. Take someone right. that's not afraid of talking about things because nothing, right. in my opinion, is damaging, period. If it's a question right. and you need to know how to do it, then go ahead and deal with it. Right. I find okay. that therapist, I'll just share with you, it's not that I want to knock that parenting course or that instructor because I don't know what she did, but I have the same thing with therapists. When I train some people, when I give supervision to one or two therapists, the point is as follows, that I tell them, if there's a question that you, the therapist, is uncomfortable asking or going there, know that you might be hurting your client by not giving them the adequate therapy that they need if you don't like going there you're not comfortable then refer them to someone else for that area but for them not getting help is holding them back if you need to stop the pacifier and that parenting course is not confident enough to deal with it then they should be able to refer you to someone or for that question but you need to have answers to your questions and you have a right to ask every single question out there
3: right thanks
1: you're welcome, Rachel. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. And it's interesting, my board is lighting up with texts about two year old. So let's get this clear. We're not addressing, Merit Hashem, right now, parenting questions under nine years old. The number to call in to ask your question or comment in the mental health field is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And this is your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Licensed Clinical Social Worker. Looking forward to taking your question or your comment. What's going on? We're going to take over here a text question. I am 21 years old, Bacher, that's on Zoloft. I made a big mistake by going to a doctor first instead of therapy. Now my doctor says that I must stay on the meds for at least one year before he can start dropping my dose. My therapist claims that that is way too much and he wants me off completely by one year. Personally, I feel the meds aren't doing anything, and it's the therapy that changed my life. But with these two people contradicting, I'm not sure if I need a new doctor or new therapist. Please, I like my therapist very much. What's your take on this, especially the meds issue? Okay, Um, this is a difficulty that you have that's actually very serious, and that means we want to have Your therapist and doctor working together, it's extremely important to have that. For your mental health, it's important for them to work together. Now, doctors are talking about from their statistics. And I'll tell you, your therapist might have a lot of experience, but, and here's going to be the but, your therapist is not allowed to get involved in the medical area, which means if you're completely better, and you go to your doctor after six months, saying, Bar Hashem, my OCD is off, my depression's off, I'm getting along well with friends. Whatever it should be, my anxiety, my my fears are better. The doctor, chances are, will then discuss and negotiate with you, and with your therapist, will work it out. I find that doctors and therapists work very well together. So my recommendation would be, is if you to ask your therapist, please, can you please call the doctor, and speak and work it out, because maybe your therapist is trying to tell you, Hashem, in a year you should be off it completely. But how do we know the future? We don't know how the medication and how it's going to act and how you're going to feel. So take one step at a time, have them speak, and take it from there. We're going to take now a couple of questions. We're going to go to Alice. Alice, on line one, you're
5: on the air with Mordechai. Hi, um, I want to know how to deal with clicks in the classrooms.
1: Okay. So this is a question. How do we break clicks? Clicks means usually, generally, how clicks are. They are like three popular g- girls or boys.
5: Well, yes. Hello. And, yes. Yes. Hi. How are you? I
4: have a question. Um, are
5: oh, you asked the question? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. my sister asked the question for me. I
2: was oh, you've got two
1: people on somewhere. the line over here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's exciting. Uh, Great. So the question is, how do you break up clicks in a class? Yes. Yeah. Let's first understand how cliques work. How cliques work is there are two or three popular girls or one popular girl where they have two good friends, and now these two hang around each other. And usually when you've got a leadership of three girls or three boys, the the rest of the class, so the other 20 boys or girls, will be following these three. So yeah. there are a number of ways of breaking up cliques. Number one, we first create another group. So you create now certain groups, two or three groups, and therefore, you now have different groups going on. Clicks are usually when you only got one leader. Next point to recognize how to break clicks, and that is something that was done by the military. One of the ways that they were able to get African Americans integrated into the white, quote unquote, the white population was two things they got them into the military, they also got them into public schools. When we interact one with another, our views. Start being more open-minded so if you can keep that in mind one of the ways that you break up clicks is you take Let's say three or four of those children that are running clicks or that are in a click And you have them now interact with other ones you try to keep them a little bit separated from each other So you have them start studying with other kids You have them start eating at different tables or in different areas with different friends you start making um, different projects Let's say groups in projects, and you make sure that each of these kids are in different groups. And what, and what happens is the more they interact with other children, the less the click is formed. Does that make sense? Oh yes,
5: it does make sense. I have another question also with it. is what if you feel like a child is being left out of a click?:
1: And that's the same thing that you do. You will have the exercises of the clicks where you have them interacting. So the kid that's being left out, you're going to make sure that, let's say, out of these three boys or girls in the click that they are interacting. So one exercise, you'll have this one do with number one. Uh, then a second exercise, you'll have this one do with number two. A third one, you'll have them do with number three. And this way, they get integrated. The point is the integration, and the more times they stay together. And the less the click that you let them remain clicks, the easier it is to break. Mm-hmm. So, okay. the goal of clicks is to come up with as many exercises that you can do to have a group or team effort. Uh, different ones. And the more the class, the more the people interact together, the less of a click it is and the more achdas there is. And this concept of click is something that's very important to the military to break because they need everyone working as one entity. So like, mm-hmm. I think the highest that you have, the most amount of people you can have in the platoon that they find that you're able to control and have one entity is about 18 soldiers. And they do exercises that all 18 should feel like one. This one helps that one. The other one will help a third one. We're all one entity. If one person fails, we all fail. And so it's not mm-hmm. as if and therefore everyone has to help. There was a certain coach that one of his talents was taking teens at risk. This isn't in the Jewish world. So guys that were on drugs, getting them off that. And one of the steps was that everyone in this team must pass their exams. If one person fails, the entire team cannot play that sport or or they'll have to forfeit a game. And this way, everyone's making sure that they're scholastic levels. How are you doing? A teacher will tell the coach, one of the kids aren't doing well. And then the question is, now, who's going to help this guy study to do well? When you make it a team effort, everyone is one for all and all for one. We see clicks change. Mm-hmm. So the focus is how to get them one entity, how to realize everyone is together. If this kid doesn't have what to play or if this kid is not on the team, then sorry, there's no sports yet. Let's come up with a way that everyone is playing. We're all one group. It's not just the better or the worst. Okay. Excellent. I appreciate it.
3: Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you for your
1: question, Alice. All right, we're going to go now to Lenton. Those of you on listening, your host, Mordechai Weimberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weimberger, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. We're here to take your questions or comment. Actually, we're going to go to Sarah on line 5. So to take your question or comment, the number is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, how are you? Um, thank you so much for taking my call. Baruch Hashem, my pleasure. And just to reaffirm to those of you listening, a reminder we're taking questions, any question in the mental health field. And if it's a parenting question, above the a- the kids the age of nine. All right.
3: Okay, so since you uh, only answer questions of parenting above the age of nine, I wanted to know if there was any parenting course in specific that you recommended?
1: Um, I really don't recommend. I try not to do that because... Um, I, whenever I've recommended something, for me, unfortunately, I've always gotten negative flack. means, oh, you recommend this, but the instructor didn't do this or didn't do that. It's like I need to respond, and all of a sudden I became responsible for that person. And, well, I have nothing to do with it. So my recommendation is find out. Ask the schools if they have someone. Find out friends, family. Everyone is – parenting is a pretty popular term that's coming out now. And just who took something that they're happy with. And even if they don't like everything, but 80%, all parenting um, skills or classes are just skills-based. They're not giving hashkafa. They're not doing any of that. They're just giving you skills, how to deal with saying yes, how to say no, how to give love, how to stop sibling rivalry, how to get kids to help put away their stuff, how to you know stop taking a pacifier, how to stop taking a bottle, how to go to sleep easier. They're skills-based. So if right. you if you walk out with skills that make your 50% easier for a 10 week course it was fantastic take a second one to get the other 30 40% then take another one to get that last 10 or 20%. So right. it's about Cause sk- they, Yeah.
3: No cuz they are like uh, all of them like are a little bit different so That's like, right. I don't I w- I wouldn't know which one the right All. You know, I
1: tell you take all. I'm a therapist, and I take training all the time. And I don't go, oh, okay, I specialize in this area, so I took the two courses that teach that. Now I'm not going to learn anything else. No, absolutely not. There are some therapists that specialize in one area, and they only do that. But me and my way of life is I'm taking a course on trauma, and all sudden I realize, hey, this, there's a point to this I could use for marriage counseling. I took a course in marriage counseling and go, wow, this is a point that I could actually use for depression. There's so much information out there. I'm a believer in just take take classes, take courses, take information, take Shurim, grow. Don't right. stop. Okay, fine. Thank you, Sarah, for Thank calling for in. Us. My pleasure. Again, the number to call is 718-683-5858. We're here to take any questions that you've got in the mental health field and any parenting question above the age of nine. We're going to go to Eti on line two. you're on the air with Mordechai.
10: Hello. Yes. Hi. Um, I want to know, would you know the definition of ADD. How would you tell on a child Yeah, my, my, my kid has ADD?
1: How old is your kid? Ten. Okay, what, let's, let's go reverse. Let's go backwards. What would you tell me are some of the signs of ADD or what you're being told? How many kids do you have, Kanai Nahara? Ten. You have ten kids. Right. Are any of your kids, what, what would you say that this kid is different than the other kids?
10: Um kids that are brilliant i have some kids that are um like average um i'll put him down as one of my average kids except that he's um um he doesn't know he knows he you know you ask him questions and he'll know
1: so again my question to you is but when he some- he
10: puts it down as He, will, he, he doesn't pass a test because it comes down to reading the test paper. He doesn't know it. Or, but it's not like he doesn't know it because he didn't read it. The first page of a test, how do? The second page, it's over. It, it didn't, he didn't even bother. Like he, and the same thing goes on in class. Like for the first half of the day, the Rebbe asked him. The second they lost him. Like he's out the davening the same thing he's yeah. going to daven parts that are interesting and the other parts he just skips it
1: to. right so what we need to be aware of is and that's why we would never diagnose or even
10: give some basic I can give some basic information about ADD no I, I don't want to diagnose him but the school is telling me yeah he needs a tutor It's he needs a tutor what I want to know is how am I going to know if what the tutor is doing is correct is his problem ADD or is his problem that he needs a tutor or is to me, he sounds like ADD because even by the service table, <laughs> by the first help, he's spinning and then that's it.
1: Right, and it sounds like he might actually have ADD. But one of the ways to recognize that is, and again, ADD is about someone that has that the brain is moving faster than the average. Means they get more distracted, so they can learn when they're looking out, when they're doing something else, they're twiddling their fingers, they're 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 doodling with their pen, they're able to listen. They lose their patience very quick because I already know the exam. Once they did five questions, they know that they know the rest. Why should I bother? It's like their mind is thinking ahead. I've got other more important things to do. At the same time, sometimes it could be that they're just not interested. That it might not be so much fun. It might be the school is too much, and that's why. In order before anyone diagnoses ADD, you got to rule out anxiety. You got to rule out that it's not environmental. Maybe they don't like the. And many times when people doesn't, when boys don't like the Rebbe, they will be stressed at home. So my question was, how was he last year? How was he the year before? Was he able to follow? Does he follow instructions? Like one of the questions are, does he follow instructions? Does he forget some no, normal but, stuff?
10: But somebody gave me an exercise for him that yes. I should question him. Yes. I, I, I should give him a string of questions, like simple questions, like today, what did you learn today? Yes. Um, and then he's going to tell me, let's say, the ABCs. And then I'm going to say, really? Like, which alphabet? And he's going. By the time I'm up to the fifth question, he's jumping out of his seat, screaming at me like crazy. Like, you don't understand what I'm telling you. Like, he is totally... He, he, he's hysterical
1: that I'm That's asking right. him... So the question over here is, just to be aware, it can be stress that we call anxiety, which is an, a fancy word for stress, which, for whatever reason, it can be affecting kids. Means it could be he just needs to run around and burn energy. It could be ADD. It sounds like it's very possible. It could also be sometimes he's triggered by the mother. Sometimes kids go, I don't think like this guy or like this mother. Sometimes, you know, there's a father and a mother. Each have their different ways of thinking. And sometimes certain questions that the way you're asking might be triggering him. So there could be a lot more going on. One of the ways that many people, before they diagnose ADD, is they have a questionnaire to the Rebbeim and to the teachers. So, I I know some cases where a kid is very much not behaving in school, but at home they're angels and they're able to have patience. So, we, that tells us it might not be ADD or even anxiety. It might be He's not
10: being a bad boy at home. He's, he's not exceptionally a bad boy. And I'm not and, and, and right. a fader even. They're, they're not complaining about yes. it. It's just this right. that's making me nervous. That so,
1: I will tell you, Eti, keep your awareness up. You're right. And I would have him evaluated by someone that's licensed because it can be. And instead of getting tutors and suffering another two years, it might be ADD, it might be anxiety, it might be something else. Get him someone to speak to, or someone that's licensed to evaluate it, and um, with siyata deshma, you'll know what it is. But your senses, with what I hear, it's definitely a possibility. And for that, since... Why it,
9: do you
10: think it's a possibility? Let me ask you that. You've because just said of, that, be-
1: because kids can normally have, when a mother asks them five questions, kids should have the patience for that. And if this is all over, and if all over is concentration. But my husband
10: claims it's because I was not asking. I, I was asking. So, so, so then. Okay, Again, that got is obsessed. exactly what I said. He got upset. You, wait, me, notice, so I
1: notice. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I want to go to the next caller because we're just going to be repeating things over and over.
10: Okay, just let me ask you this one question. Wait, let me
1: clarify. Do you notice how okay. your husband said that he might be nervous because of the way you asked it? That is exactly what I meant earlier about three minutes ago when I said it might be
10: your style
1: of speaking
10: right. that might be triggering him. Right, exact- that's, why, that's why I'm asking you this question. I know, hold
1: on, but that's why I okay. need you need to realize, before you're, before you're saying something because I'm just experienced in this, I hear what's coming, and right? that's why I said that. And that's why I said he needs to be evaluated. You could ask me a question, I might still tell you. Like, There's a lot of background, there's noises in the background I'm hearing. No,
10: I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, okay, um, yes. What I just wanted to know is this. So he got upset at me. So I told him, okay, leave the room, and when you come back, I'm going to ask it from you again. And my husband, you know, they started singing, I just left it. And then I decided I'm going to ask it a different way. And I started explaining it to him like in an alphabet kind of a way. him you see, look, this is the first page, right? This is the second page, and this is the third page. Where are you up to in school? First, second, or third page. He looked at me, he was very upset me that I went down to that level. He looked at me and he told me, I'm up to the third page. He told me, so now you're going to swing it another way? Like,
1: <laughs> he, I got it's, you. It's, All I'm saying is, you asked, is it ADD? Could it be? Could it not be? My answer is, it can be. It can I, also be other stuff. And therefore, just telling you, get it checked out and you'll know what the answer is. It can be, but there can also be other stuff there. Thank you, Etty, for your question. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. We are going to Liba on line three. Liba, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, thanks for taking my call. My pleasure.
3: Uh, I'm calling about my 11-year-old son, who is the oldest of six children. And he seems to be exhibiting anxiety
9: for the first time recently. He's, um, He's very well behaved in school. He's an angel at home as well. I think he might be a little bit of a perfectionist in terms of his demands on himself. He's always been a a straight-A Talmud, and um, he's finally saying things like, I feel a lot of stress in my life, and I can't take it anymore. I can't live like this. I I don't even know what to say to him.
1: Can I ask you a question I ask almost all my clients when I get that and choose not to answer it because it's a personal question? All right, which one of you which one is it you or your husband or both that are perfectionists?
9: um I'm much more so than my husband
1: okay so the beauty of this is is you go for help, which means take a book, a workshop, whatever it should be about letting go and the point is we teach this to our children we our way of life it's not a conscious way it's just the inner stress, or the demanding that we put on ourselves, our children will learn. So there's a quote I love quoting many times and says, parents, I can't hear what you're saying because your behaviors are screaming too loud. And kids, when us parents are perfectionists or we strive for the best, which is an extremely important and powerful mida or strength in the business world or in parenting, at the same time, we need to teach the balance of letting go and chilling. So that is the next step in Chinuch that we, that you would like to be able to master and to teach your son how to relax. And if not, you hear 16, 17-year-old teenagers saying, I just want the easy way out of learning. I just can't take it. I can't learn until 3 in the morning. No one asked you to. Yeah, but the best boy does. Okay, but the best boy isn't so emotional like you, so or doesn't enjoy stuff like you do. So like, you've got to learn the balance. The real goal is about teaching your son That life is meant to be balanced. It's meant to be taken seriously. And it's also meant to celebrate, to relax, to be successful. Make sense? So you're saying I should should take care of me first? Yeah. Or you can explain it to him while you're taking care of yourself. So you might tell me, you know, something. let's go for a walk today. After school, he comes home, give him supper. And then go, let's just go for a walk. Let's just relax. Let's go get a Slurpee or a Slush. Or if you want something more healthy, let's go buy bananas. Just talk. Just relax. Don't always be cooking. Don't always make sure the kids are doing their homework well. Don't always be sure that you've finished your tasks. Relax. By you smiling more, by you laughing more, that will, Merit Hashem, make the change on the children.
9: Okay, uh, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. Thank you so much. I'm going to work on it. Yeah, and just
1: realize our children really learn from us. And I also want to clarify, it's not a problem perfectionist. On the other hand, I call it the greatest diagnosis or the greatest cause of most diagnoses in the from world is perfectionist. I am an okay. avid recoverer and current recoverer of perfectionists. That's one of my big things that I work on all the time. I got a lot on my plate, and I tried to do it all perfect. And the goal that I've been working on the last several years of my life is how to be more balanced. That eighty, An 80 on a mark to me is now 100. I go for 80 and above. So many times when I speak to clients or to even people on the radio, it's, was I 80% on mark? And they go, yeah, to me that's excellent. That 85, that 90 causes me already stress that will slow me down so how can it's, we start teaching your son and yourself 80 is fantastic smile relax be at ease it's good it's okay is there a book you recommend that i should check out uh, let me think about that about perfectionist um no but Sushim, i plan on writing a book on that <laughs> um i'm just i don't have now offhand but it's sort of like let go i have a program you know what i'll make this recommendation I have two, three programs. I have a phone line which I do free, Little Initials My Father. That number is 718 683. I'm sorry, I'm giving the number over here to call on. That's 298 2011. That's 718 298 2011. And in section one are hour long programs that I have. I have two, three programs about that. Number one, one of the programs over there is Parents Make Mistakes. Another one is why try to succeed if I won't succeed anyhow? There are, I have about two or three programs specifically dealing with perfectionists and the fear of making mistakes because the easier we are making mistakes, the more we're aware, the happier our life is. Just to give you one example that I shoot in one of those programs is, do you know when people have, let's say, a marathon, there are 50,000 racers, I can understand the first 100 feel great. How does number 35,000 feel? How does number 45,000 feel? If we think into it, that means 45,000 people were ahead of me. And do they feel like losers? No. When you speak to people that run the marathon, they go, I was number 45,000. I ran the full 22 miles. I ran the full six miles. I ran six miles in eight minutes and 22 seconds. Like, And the answer is, the concept to it is, it's not about what I didn't do. It's about what I did do. From 50,000, you're number 45,000, but how many millions are not able to run 22 miles or run six miles? And that's how they view themselves. They don't view themselves. And they then view themselves, I was number 45,000 last time. Now I went up to 40,000. I bettered myself to get 5,000 to be quicker than another 5,000 people. The concept is not about success. The concept is the race is within you yourself. And part of the race within you yourself is are you enjoying the view? are you enjoying the process? and that's a large part to let go of perfectionist
5: okay I'm gonna give it a try I yeah. really appreciate your help there
1: are one, exactly so be aware kids follow us, p- kids mimic us so you might say relax, I've got parents call, calling me up and saying I tell my kids relax, I tell my kids relax, I say "Yeah, and how are you Arab Shabbos? Or how are you when you gotta do a task? I get so nervous I go okay so then recognize you work on yourself to be relaxed, you work on yourself to have time to just chill Time to just laugh, to say, I made a mistake, it's okay. And you're going to find the whole house change.
6: Okay.
1: Wonderful. Thank
6: thank you so
1: much. You're welcome, and thank you for the question. We are going to go to, who do we have next? Line one or line five? All right, we got some action over here in the studio. Um, Let's go to... Um, Esti on line five. Esti, you're on the air with Mordechai.
9: Yeah, hi. Um, I like to say something before my question. Um, sure. My name is Esti, and um, what to People are bullying me in school. Um, what should I do about it? Okay, let's first
1: start. What's your? How old are you? Ten. Ten. It is so nice to have a ten-year-old. I used to be on the radio at eight to nine o'clock. Um, yeah, it was from eight to nine. And we had a lot of kids calling in. And since we got to this hour, most of the kids are in school at this time. So it's so nice, Esty, to have you call in. But I'm sick, sister. Oh, you're sick. Okay. So would you like to tell us a little bit about the bullying? What happened? Yep. Um, what's go. like
3: there's this one popular kid in my class. Yes. And what's the class she she's like basically going everybody, like 'Cause like she's like saying stuff like very mean about like with a few kids and what's oh, like me and my all my friends because like she's basically jealous about us.
4: Yes.
1: And so, why she makes those comments?
3: Um my other friend cried.
1: Okay. So let's first understand something being very interesting. Um um let's go try it like this when kids are bullying it's like you said she's jealous now one of the ways when people are jealous they attack some kids become quiet some kids cry i don't have any friends and some kids will make fun of other ones saying oh you're so stupid your thing doesn't matter no one needs what you have And that's one of the ways that people do. One of the things, there are many things you could do. Number one is first tell a teacher. So the teacher should know what's happening. Number two is for you to sometimes ask this girl, do you want to be my friend? Is that why you speak like that? And sometimes she'll say, yes, I do. Then there's another point that what you can also do is, if you and your friends, if you hang around, when the girl gets close, you can have the other friends say, you can have the other, kids, the other kids say, it's not nice to say that. Bullies never like to mess when there are two or three girls together. They like doing it when it's a one-on-one. Usually, they'll have a friend with them, and that's what they're going to focus on. But if you have two, three friends, let's say if you make up with your two other friends, that when you see this girl talking to you or to the other ones, then you know that what's happening is... Then you know what's happening that... Um, Sorry, just got distracted a second. Then, then, then the friends will come over and they'll protect you. So when you are two, three girls together and say, why are you bothering her? Why are you saying that? That's not nice. This girl will stop doing it right away. They're afraid to get hurt. They usually like to do that. What yeah,
3: I, I said that, but like, she's like, because none of your
9: business.
1: That's right. But when you have two, three girls together, you stick together. You say, it is our business. You say something to one girl and you said it to all of us. And then the girls say, but I asked her to help me. There's one other point that you can do also that I'm a big believer in, that you and your two other friends go over to her, so you three girls going over to her and telling her, you know, you might not think that when you say something that it bothers us, but it does hurt. So when you say, oh, this is stupid, or I don't like that, it does affect us. So therefore, please give us a compliment. Tell us, tell us you like something. You'll see the girl will say, oh, okay, I can try that. So sometimes we need to teach people how to speak nicely. Uh,
3: okay.
1: So is there anything else? Or like I should Those are three pointers that we can do. I'll tell you, we got about 10 seconds left to go, Esti. So thank you for your question, Merit Hashem. If you'd like, have your mother call in next week, and we're going to try to address it. Thank you all for listening. Your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW.